whatever you do to make cash flow doesn't really matter, right? You could be, you know, selling cars, you could be, you know, doing whatever, but if you are able to put that into an asset like real estate, that's how you build the wealth piece. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. What's up, guys? This week's guest on the podcast has built an awesome real estate business and has some great accomplishments as a real estate investor so far. Kyle has a super cool story where him and his brother took a risk to bet on their visions that I can't wait for you to hear. In this episode, we get into several different topics including direct-to-seller marketing, betting on yourself and taking risks, building wealth with real estate investing, and a phenomenal way to jump into the game, and so much more. There is a ton of incredible advice in this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Let's jump right into the episode. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 91 of the Creating Wealth podcast. Today, we get the great pleasure of chatting with Kyle Russo, an awesome full-time real estate investor located around the Boston North Shore market. What's going on, Kyle? How's everything going, my man? Super excited to have you on. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, quite a pleasure to be speaking with another Kyle today. Right. Uh, <laughs> to, uh, network with more Kyles. <laughs> I share that, my man. I, I feel you. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, I'm super, super excited to have you on, man. You know, kind of learned a little bit about you and, and your real estate story. Um, to kind of segue right into that, you know, tell us a little bit about uh, kind of like your superhero backstory, you know, what kind of got you into real estate um, and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in 2019, my brother Dylan and I decided to start a real estate investing company. Uh, we we were both working full time in, um, in other industries. I was working as a management consultant and my brother was working at a financial technology startup. And we were both just uh, not really very satisfied with our with our jobs. Um, and you know we we went to a, a seminar and we and we learned a lot about all the different ways that you can make money in real estate. Um, you know, there's flipping, lending, wholesaling. And we were like, okay, you know this is this sounds really interesting. And I personally have uh, had my real estate license since I was, 18, um, I, I, you know, like leased apartments in, in Alston and Brighton for a few summers, but hadn't really been active in the business since then. And so, you know, when, when 2019 rolled around and my brother was living in the area and we were both interested in this uh, real estate investing thing and, and learned, you know, some of the basics from the seminar, we said, all right, you know, let's, let's, let's give this a shot. And so um, my brother actually left his full-time job in October of 2019 um, I think we formed the LLC in like September. So, so he, you know, really just jumped in with both feet. And then I uh, followed shortly thereafter, um, actually in, in February of 2020, which was right before, you know, this global pandemic that we've been living through. And so that was a very interesting time. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that I left when I did, because I think you know, after the pandemic hit, you know, there was a lot more question about, you know, 
people wanting stability. So I'm happy that I that I made the the jump when I did. And you know, I, I definitely had some doubts before it. You know, I was like, you know, is is you know what happens if this doesn't work out? And you know, basically how I got myself over over that uh, hump was basically thinking, you know, yeah, you know, it's it's worrisome. Like, what happens if if I try this and it doesn't work? But I, I was more scared about you know what happens if I never try this and I'm stuck in a position, you know, in in a in a career in a life that I I don't really like. And that was more scary to me. And that's how I was able to sort of convince myself like, hey, you know, if, if this doesn't work out, literally, I was like, well, I have a car, you know, I'll, I'll drive Uber for, for, for a while until I figure it out. But luckily, I never, never had to do that. <laughs> wow. That's incredible, man. That's absolutely awesome. Especially like, you know, just when, like you made the jump you know, like right before everything kind of hit the fan, I guess, if you will. And, <laughs> you know, talk about like just kind of jumping into, you know, like just going all in on, on you, you know what I mean? And, and the vision. And I love that. Yeah. And I think uh, because we were both full time, we were able to learn and grow a little bit faster than, um, you know, a, a lot of people do it part time. And that's great, too. You know, it's great to have that 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 W2 income for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think it allowed us to kind of grow really quickly because we were doing this all day, every day. Yeah. I, I don't blame you at all. So tell me a little bit about, you know, like right after, like both you guys made the jump and we're like, all right, like we're here now, like <laughs> this needs to work, <laughs> you know, yeah. like what, what was kind of like going through your head? Like, what were you feeling? Like, were you just ready to kind of like hit the ground running and, um, and kind of, you know, start to, to get things going or we, yeah, so we, um, you know, our first, our first real estate investment was actually a two family house in Somerville that we bought before we had any, uh, before we had an LLC or any of that. So, um, we lived in one unit and rented out the other, um, you know, the typical house hack, which is the, always, I think the best way to start, you get better rates you have more control over the property and the tenant bait, you know, the tenants and, and um, anyway, so, so we were doing that. And then we, we actually found our first property on, on MLS um, back in 2019. It was December of 2019. Um, you know, the winter tends to be a great time to buy in this market up here. Um, and so really, you know, we were just focused on that flip. Um, you know, as soon as, you know, so, so when I, when I jumped in full time, we already had this flip well underway. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just, you know, was focused on, on getting that over the finish line. Um, so from day one, you know, we, we were pretty busy from day one because we already had this, this thing on, under, you know, underway. Wow. That's awesome. Did, um, did you guys have to buy a cash or use like hard money or, um, I think if I'm thinking back, yeah, we, we we took out um we took out a loan uh like a like a private money loan um for most of it yeah that's awesome man especially like to find it on the mls you know like you, you hear the classic like oh there are no good deals on the mls and it's like oh well <laughs> i don't know it's depending on how you look at it <laughs> yeah it depends i mean it depends on the, on the market and um you know the last couple of years have been tighter um, you know, there hasn't been as much on the MLS, but at the same time, you know, over that, over the last couple of years, prices have been appreciating so much that, you know, you could kind of overpay for stuff and still do all right. But now, 
you know, I don't think you're going to, you're going to see that quite as much anymore. Yeah. It, there definitely has been uh, quite the shift. I mean, even like very, very recently, you know, with like the interest rates going bananas and yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think um, what, what I've, what I've been seeing at least in, in the markets that I'm looking at is the stuff that's priced a little too high is really just sitting for a long time. Um, and you know, if you're well-priced and you're offering good value, those, those products, you know, those homes seem to still be going pretty quickly. Um, but you know, people aren't really paying a hundred, $200,000 over asking anymore. You're not getting two dozen offers. But the other thing is that like, because the buyer demand has slowed down a little bit, um, there's like the rental demand is just insane. Um, you know, my, I was talking to my sister and her her rent's going up like 550 bucks wow. for, yeah for a, like a one bedroom in boston you know and so um you know we did some rent increases this year as well you know like i don't know like for four or five percent nothing crazy but but you know i mean that's um the, the rental market is is really um strong right now uh so it's interesting you know you you kind of have these different levers right like maybe um in the economy right like maybe the buyer demand is is coming down a little bit but that you know conversely rents are, are really skyrocketing because fewer people can can afford to buy yeah no i, I totally agree man and it's um it's gonna be interesting because i uh i'm doing my first unit turnover at the moment and i'm, I'm kind of hoping that that you know kind of helps me out a little bit in terms of like rent and actually it's the unit that i'm in and um mm-hmm. the but the thing that's interesting is so like the room that i'm in it's actually there's like three bedrooms and they're all on the second floor but you have to walk through one to get to the next one uh, and like i had a you know a project in place to like you know change the walls around and kind of you know do do a little project to make it kind of like the right way quote unquote and then one of my other tenants told me that they were leaving in like a month so that kind of got squashed <laughs> you know and uh so I, i'm kind of curious how it's gonna go you know because you know I'm just hoping that because the rental demand is is kind of crazy, that it might kind of help me out a little bit. Um, you know, I maybe get somebody that might not mind as much. And yeah, it, you're definitely right, though. You know, it's 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 really interesting, kind of the variables in which direction they're going right now. I mean, like like you said, you know, for the first time in in a while, you know, some of those properties that people used to be getting like a ridiculous amount of money over asking for aren't really happening as much. You know, and like at the same time, like you mentioned, like the buyer pool dropped off a little bit, like after losing purchase power because the interest rates are up and like it just it's a really strange position. Um, And I'm very curious to see where it goes in the next, you know, three, six months. Yeah. I mean, what's also interesting, um, you know, I've I've been reading and listening to a lot of different things about the real estate market and uh, there's still a really short supply. Yeah. Right. So, so the buyer demand is, is, is not as strong as, as it was, but, but it's still, it's, it's still like not quite an equilibrium, right? Because so few people are selling for a number of different reasons. I mean, one of those is that it's a difficult time to be a buyer, right? So someone sells in, unless they're moving to another state, right? It's kind of like, well, do I want to be a buyer in this market after I sell my house? And for, for a lot of homeowners, the answer is no. Um, so it's it's an interesting time for sure. I think, you know, I think we're seeing a little bit less volume um, of transactions, but we'll we'll see what happens for the rest of the year. Yeah, 
Yeah, hundred percent. It's um, it's definitely going to be interesting. <laughs> Always is. Yep. So Kyle, let me ask you. So like with your guys's company, I assume do you guys do a lot of like you know off market, like you know direct mail marketing, and you know a lot of um, like direct to seller. I, I guess you could say. So I would say you know over the last three years, um, we've done a little bit of everything, and so we bought deals on MLS. We've bought deals direct from seller. Um, we've bought deals that agents have brought us. But I think going forward for the next you know, 12 to 18 months, we really wanna focus on um, going more direct to seller. So we're, we're planning to really focus on lead generation over, you know, over the coming you know, six, 12, 18 months. And so we'll be doing, so like right now, as of today, we're not doing a lot of direct mail or any of that, um, but like we're gonna make a concerted effort to do that and and really ramp that up and invest in that. So, um, you know, we'll be doing direct, like we'll be doing everything in terms of marketing to, to off-market sellers. So, so we'll be doing direct mail, text message, calling, um, you know, you name it. So we're, we're really trying to build that funnel mm -hmm. so that we have consistent leads coming in. Yeah, no, it, I don't blame you at all. You know, and like, that's, that's kind of the cool thing too is like, you know, especially having like a lot of those different options. Um, I, I used to do direct mail. I, I haven't done it in a while, but I actually, I, I heard from somebody very recently that uh, it's, it's been a little, a little more saturated, I guess. And um, kind of like, you know, the cost for yeah, cost per lead is, has gone up like significantly and stuff. And it was just kind of interesting to kind of hear like the perspective. So like, you know, they're kind of, gravitating in a whole nother direction you know and doing more of like a you know text campaign and like cold calling and that kind of thing and like just kind of shift in the you know i guess kind of like the avenue and in, in a different direction yeah i mean my my sense is that what really works is having multiple touch points yeah so um like basically maybe the maybe the sequence of events is you send out direct mail to a certain address then you text message that same address and then you call that same address. And then hopefully by that third touch, they're like, oh yeah, you know, Gen Team Property Group. I, you know, I've, I've heard of them by, you know, because they've maybe heard of you or seen you three times now. Um, so hopefully by that time, you know, they they at least have some recognition. Um, and, you know, are, are if they are looking to sell, you know, hopefully they're more willing to have a conversation with you rather than just the one time out of the blue cold call um, and they say no, and that's, and that's it. Right. Versus what we're kind of trying to do more is have those multiple touch points, um, to try to get in touch with people. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I, I've always found it pretty interesting too. Like I know of, you know, some investors that are more focused on like just hitting them once, like, and having, you know, a much higher like volume of, of people. And then other people, you know, on the other side of the spectrum that are like, all right, like, let's have a smaller list that's a lot more concentrated, but we'll hit them like, you know, six, seven, eight times. And then I don't know, it's, it's just been interesting because like I, I see, you know, a lot of different people doing different things. And um, I forget where I heard it, it, it was, or it could have been anywhere, honestly, but, um, you know, like one of the, the popular stats with like, you know, just throwing direct mail out there is like, oh, you know you might not actually see something until like the seventh or the eighth or something, 
You know, it's it's interesting to kind of see how everybody, you know, kind of feels about it and like, you know, if they would rather hit like more households just like a couple times or hit less households but hit them a heck of a lot better to actually like you said, you know, kind of give them that like, oh, I know Gen Team. Like, you know, they mm-hmm. sent me a couple things before and like, you know, they texted me, called me and, you know, then they actually have have you in their heads, you know what I mean? And Yeah, I I think it really I think it really comes down to timing. So, um, and that, and that's why I'm, that's why we're leaning towards like the more, um, targeted approach because, um, well, I I guess there's two reasons. One, there are certain markets that we have, you know, done, done work in that we know well and can, um, you know, make offers with confidence and, you know, either wholesale to another investor with confidence in our numbers or do the rehab ourselves, um, so that's one reason. The other is that I think, you know, when off-market sellers, it really, I think it really comes down to timing. And what I mean is like, you know, they might receive your letter and it's just, they're not ready yet. Right. They're, 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 they don't have their plan in place. They're not in a position where they really need to move, but six months later, um, or a year later, you know, maybe they are. And so we actually, you know, we actually had that happen um with a property that we bought in everett where you know we were talking with them we made them an offer um they ended up accepting uh, an offer that was higher um that and that ended up falling through and so a year later you know you know we stayed in touch with them and a year later they reached back out to us um and said you know we're actually now we're, we're ready to go and we want to go with you guys because you know the other guys fell through um and we have confidence you guys are gonna be able to close and and we did you know and uh so i think you know that's that's the other thing to keep in mind is it's it's about timing it's you know um that's why sometimes you have to you know maybe send out mailing to the same address you know over a six month period because maybe the first time they receive your letter they're just they're not they're not ready they're not ready to sell um but as time goes on people's situations change and um that's that's our thought process there i totally agree man yeah no 100 percent. so let me ask you this so out of like all the deals you guys have done like what's kind of been the i guess kind of like the biggest one or like you know maybe like you learned like the biggest lesson from it or i guess what was like the most interesting i, I guess uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. um <laughs> no i would really say the most interesting one for us was uh especially for me because my brother uh, was in the process of moving to Florida, <laughs> was um, we did a three-family condo conversion in Winthrop. Um, so it was an off-market deal, um, and we it was a really big project. I mean, we're talking each unit was fourteen or fifteen hundred square feet. Plus, we um, finished out the basement. Uh, so you're, you know, all in, you're talking like 6,000 square feet. Um, and it was pretty much a complete gut, um, you know, and it was a really big project. It took, it took about 18 months, should have taken about nine. And part of, part of what made it very interesting is the contractor that we were using, um, basically stopped showing up um halfway through the project so yeah that was really difficult to work through and um 
you know, in retrospect, I probably should have, you know, taken him off the project a lot sooner and brought in another GC to finish the project. But I basically ended up GCing the project myself. Um, like, and what I mean is basically like managing all the subs, um, you know, basically doing like I had to be on site basically every day. Right. Um, and so I learned a ton. I learned a ton about about construction management um, through that process. So in the, you know, in, in the end, we ended up doing pretty well on it. I don't remember exactly what the ROI was, but um, probably like over 15%, um, which just makes me think though, like if it had gone well and we didn't go hundreds of thousands of dollars over budget, you know, <laughs> it would have been, you know, 25, 30%, you know, ROI. But, um, you know, the, the, basically what I learned there is, is how just how important it is to buy right because when you buy right you have some cushion for some of these disasters I mean we we literally were hundreds of thousands of dollars over budget because of the time and because we had to basically pay twice for things yeah. um, because you know it, it, it became very blurry between what we paid the contractor to do what he actually delivered and then it was like, well, okay, you know, maybe we paid him to do the flooring, but he's gone and there's no floors. So it's either, you know, cry about it, take him to court or just find someone else to do the work and get it done. And so we basically went with the, the, last, the last option, <laughs> right? So, you know, for a lot of the different things, we ended up having to pay a lot more than we had budgeted um, because we now had to kind of go and find all, all these subs ourselves. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a big project. There were a lot of hurdles, um, but we learned a lot and we ended up, you know, we ended up doing okay in the end. So that was probably, I would say our most interesting project to date. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I could just imagine like, you know, kind of going through that and literally like having to like, just run the entire thing yourself, <laughs> you know, like all of a sudden and wow. Yeah. Yeah, you learn a lot very quickly, you know. <laughs> Talk about getting thrown into the fire, man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, you know, in, in retrospect, you know, I, I that we had we had been working with one contractor. Um, and so, you know, I, I think what I've what I've learned is that who you know, and, and actually there's a real estate agent that I used to work with who, who taught me this. Um, and what she said is, you know, in any transaction, the party that has more options you know, has more, has more power and control. So, you know, we were talking about, you know, if you're buying or selling a house, you know, let's say you're a seller and you have 12 offers, right? You have, you're in the power position, right? But if you're in a, in a buyer's market and there's 20, you know, 20 houses for sale that are all similar, the buyer, the buyer has the power. Um, and that was kind of the situation here too, where I didn't have a lot of GC contacts. So, you know, I was kind of at the, at the mercy of, or I thought I was, you know, at the mercy of, of the guy that we had, that we had hired, but, you know, knowing what I know now and, and knowing how important it is to network, I, you know, it, it, if that ever happened again, I would, um, you know, have a much, you know, shorter leash and get started with someone else much quicker. Yeah. That's not, I mean, one of the good things I, I guess you could say is like just the amount of knowledge and everything that you were kind of like forced to learn. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> literally like not having a choice but to you know just figure this out on the fly and like you know make sure everything keeps going as as smooth as possible and and just kind of getting it done 
and uh, you know hopefully it, it never does happen again you know anything like that but like at least you know that you know like you were able to you know take control of that project absolutely kill it bring it to the finish line and then you know move on to the next thing right exactly i mean that's what it's all about you know you got to get it over the finish line whatever it takes yeah and just keep moving forward definitely wow <laughs> so i wanted to ask you so how do you define wealth um, I mean, I, I think there's, you know, there's like financial wealth and then, you know, there's other categories uh, of wealth. You know, you can think about mental health, you can think about physical health, uh, spirituality, and, and, and I think it, they're all kind of connected. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I think of, of wealth as having, um, you know, an, a comfortable or abundant amount of something, right? So, um, I think that having financial wealth allows you to also build, you know, like your physical wealth, if you want to call it that, like your, your health, you know, mental, physical, spiritual health. Um, so I think they're all kind of connected. Um, but what, what we've learned, you know, over, over the last three years of doing this business is that there's kind of a, a difference between, you know, talking now more about the financial wealth, like there's a difference between cash flow and wealth. And they're both, they're both very important, um, but they're very different. So what we're, what, what we've actually done a lot of over the last few years is I think we actually have built a, a lot of wealth um, because while we've been doing these flips and wholesales, we've also, uh, you know, we're also, we bought like, I don't know, maybe uh, close to 10, I think we're at like 10 or 12 rental units now um, across Massachusetts and Florida. And so there's always sort of a there's always sort of a balance between are you buying assets for the long term or are you creating short term cash flow and you need both um, and you know right now what we're focusing on is building up that cash flow so that we have a more sustainable business and a more consistent cash flow so that we can put that money into assets that will build wealth um, so that's that's kind of the the way I think about it is a wealth is a long-term thing um, that you, that you basically get from appreciation um, over time and in principal pay down. Um, and that, you know, in order to, to build that wealth, you have to have money coming in from somewhere. And we we've chosen to use, you know, our, our flipping and wholesaling business as that, that cash flow piece. I love that, man. That's, that's awesome. It always has fascinated me how, you know, exactly like you just said, you know, like people build businesses to, you know, to flip or to wholesale and like, you know, to actually, you know, put the work in, hopefully make a solid return out of it and then put that into like buy and holds, you know, and, you know, have it passively managed or whatever. And, you know, just kind of keep keep the wheel rolling, I guess. And, you know, just kind of keep letting things go <laughs> yeah and there's the uh there's the robert kiyosaki quote that i like where he says uh the purpose of any business is to buy real estate yeah and i think that's a cool way to put it because um you know it's it's kind of echoing you know what like what i was just saying like um whatever you do to make cash flow doesn't really matter right you could be you know selling cars you could be you know doing whatever but if you are able to put that into an asset like real estate, that's how you build the wealth piece. Yeah. It's incredibly interesting, man. It is. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it really is. So 
Kyle, what is your best piece of advice to new investors that want to start and manage their rental portfolio? I think house hacking is the best way to get started. I mean, you, you and I have both done it. Um, there's just so many advantages to doing it. You know, you, you get the, the residential rate, which, you know, can be really, really important um, depending on what that spread is between investor rate and, and residential rate. Um, and you will be living in the property. So you'll be able to manage it much better and you can learn the fundamentals of managing a rental property much better than if you're doing something, even if it's, you know, down the road, you know, it's, it's, it's just, I think it's just better to start with house hacking. You, you're managing your, your expenses, you're getting help paying down the mortgage. Um, and you're, you're kind of doing the maintenance as it comes up because you're living there. Um, and I, I think that's really the best way to get started, uh, in terms of building a rental portfolio. I totally agree, man. You know, it's like the amount that like I personally have learned from because I've had this property for only like six months, but okay. like the amount of lessons and everything that, that I've learned so far about exactly to your point, you know, of kind of a lot of different areas from like, you know, fixing a variety of different problems as they come up. And, you know, if you can't do it, then finding the right people to do it and, you know, getting quotes and that type of thing all the way to like, you know, managing tenants and dealing with, you know, some great problems, not so great problems when they come up. And uh, it's just like the amount that you learn is absolutely unbelievable. You know, yeah. and, and the barrier to entry is is so low. You know, I mean, it can be anywhere from like 0%, you know, if you're a veteran, like VA loans to three and a half or, you know, most people typically use the FHA. Yeah. 5% conventional, like it's, it's unbelievable. You know, it's, I feel like it's a lot more possible than um than people may realize you know yeah that's a great point and one of one of the things too to to think about with fha is that it varies by state how much how big of a loan you can take out so massachusetts versus florida for example you can take out a loan for like a a four family for over a million dollars i think so i mean that's a big that's a big deal so you can basically buy an asset that's, you know, I don't remember exactly the numbers, you have to look it up, but it's like, let's say you can buy a four family um, for $1.4 million and put down three and a half percent. I mean, that's, that's actually really powerful, right? I mean, there's not, there's not a lot of, (laughs) there's not a lot of investments where you can buy that expensive of an asset with that little money down. And, you know, obviously you need to know what you're doing and, and have and make sure the rents are, are large enough, you know, are high enough to cover your mortgage expense. But if you're able to find, you know, a three or four family, you can, you know, put down, you know, very, very little money and control a, a very expensive asset that, uh, you know, in the in, in Massachusetts, in the greater Boston area, I mean, we've just seen so much, you know, rent and and home price appreciation. Um, that it can be a really powerful tool. So I haven't actually done that FHA loan yet, but uh, that's something I'm definitely thinking about. Yeah, that's wicked cool. Honestly, I, I didn't know that. You know, it does make sense though, you know, I mean, cause like the different, you know, like purchase price ranges and like, you know, in, in different yeah. areas, different states, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there's a table uh, for each state. So like in Florida, for example, if you wanna buy for family, they're only going to give you a loan of like, it's like 500 K or something like that. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's like, 
it depends on the, on the level, on the price levels in your state. Yeah. Uh, so in, in Florida, it's much lower than it is in Massachusetts. Yeah. I really liked, um, there was something that you said in there as well that really stuck out to me too about, you know, being able to have like just, you know, that amount of leverage, you know, in this kind of asset class, like just for that and being able to maintain control with it. So like, I don't know, for some reason, like the thing that went into my head, like, you know, of another kind of asset where you can take on that kind of leverage is the, um, oh, I forget the name of it. It's, uh, it's in the stock market. It's like using leverage margin. I, I think like yeah. the marginal, like trading and stuff yeah. and like, yeah, like you might be able to take a lot of leverage, but you also don't have control. I mean, I, I don't know much about it just kind of from like an outside perspective, but like you don't really have a lot of control, you know, to actually like manage the type of risk that you're taking. Right. Versus, right. You know, if you are, yeah. You're yeah. not, if you're buying a stock based on leverage, you don't, you don't control that stock. You're not sitting on the board of that company making decisions, right? <laughs> You're a completely passive investor. Um, um, versus when you're buying, you know, a, you know, a four family, three family house, you're occupying one of the units, you know, you have, you know, a lot of control over the tenants, over the maintenance, you know, over everything. Exactly. You know, and I, that's something that I do really, really love about real estate is just the amount of control and like creativity that you can have. And like, you know, as long as you kind of like follow some of the, the basic, you know, rules and like, you know, provided suitable, like, you know, clean ish, like, you know, kind of place of housing. Um, there's a lot of things that you can do, you know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's unbelievable. And like, I just, I love that there's not, you know, uh, or I guess, like the window of opportunity is is very wide you know like if you wanted to turn like a, a really really big bedroom into like you know two smaller bedrooms i mean like obviously you know like there's regulations and everything and like you know minimum square footage and like you know all, all that fun stuff but basically like as long as you follow like just some of the rules like the sky's the limit you know like if you have the space for it and like you know the zoning and like the town school with it like more power to you, like, you know, get the wall put up and, and now like your rents might drastically change, which could drastically change your return. And like, it just, it's the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the investors who do well are the ones who, who are able to walk into a space and have a vision for what it's going to look like in the end. Right. And not, and not everyone has that. Right. So two people can go to the same property um, and see completely different end uses for it. Yeah. And it's, it's absolutely awesome. And like, you know, the more time that you're in the game, like the more you're going to be able to kind of, you know, sharpen that, that bird's eye view of like, you know, what that space could potentially look like and um, the possibilities. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Kyle, where on um, like social media and stuff can you guys be found? Like you, the company, I'll drop everything you have, my man. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're Gen Team Property Group. We're on Instagram. Uh, my brother runs all that stuff. So I'm not even sure what the handle is, but I think you I'll, I'll look it up. I got it. <laughs> Gen team. But that's actually, you know, one of the things that um, we're going to be focusing on too is like, so, you know, we're going to be doing a lot of, of marketing over the next, you know, uh, six months at least. And that's part of what I really want to beef up to is our social media presence. Um, you know, probably mostly Instagram, um, Facebook. I don't, I don't have TikTok and I really <laughs> don't want to, but I have heard that 
you know, it's kind of taking over as the the biggest, you know, most influential platform now. So maybe we'll eventually have a a TikTok account. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm thinking about hiring someone to help with that, you know, to help with the social media piece. So we don't have a huge presence on social media right now, but a lot of the folks that um, that I've been meeting with who, you know, people that, uh, I, you know, companies that I want ours to be like um, in a few years, they all have, you know, pretty significant social media presence. And I think that that's something that we want to, that we want to build out for sure. I don't blame you, man. And like, that's the thing too, is like, it's, it's it's just tough you know what i mean because like you have to actually you know like create the content and like you know hopefully make it look pretty decent and like posting consistently and like it's kind of like its own like niche that like like you kind of i feel like you might kind of need in like today's day and age yeah i think um, so just like you know part of that presence you know to add on with like you know the word of mouth and like you know the the strength of you know all the relationships and and past clients and that type of thing but yeah, it's, it adds instant credibility, right? I mean, it's if, if someone's looking, like, let's say I'm looking for a private money investor, right? And I can just point to my Instagram page and say, you can check out the last 10 rehabs we've done. You can see us walking through it, the before and afters, you know, it, it adds, it adds instant credibility, I think. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's almost like a, like kind of like a digital resume. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it definitely can be a little bit tough, though, you know what I mean? Because it's like, you know, like we're trying to run our own businesses and stuff like that. And like, we just want to, you know, keep doing the actual like, you know, tactical work and, you know, right. going towards right. the vision. And it's like crap. Well, like we kind of like need this, too, but like I don't want to do it. And like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you want to do it well, right? Because you don't want to have low quality content on there. Um, so, yeah, that's something that we're going to be that we're going to be working on as well. I hear you. <laughs> but um, thank you so, so much for coming on here, Kyle. That was absolutely awesome, man. It was a, a real pleasure to, you know, hear some of your story, hear about, you know, Gen Team a little bit. And um, yeah, that was that was absolutely awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me, Kyle. The pleasure is all mine. I uh, really enjoyed uh, chatting with you today. All right, guys, that concludes our Creating Wealth podcast episode for today. I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully you can take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Bigger Pockets. Until next time, let's build together.